0: All right, here we go. My name's Jeff Kay, and you're listening to episode 266 of the world-famous West Virginia Surf Report podcast. We're back broadcasting once again from deep, deep underneath a nondescript home in suburban Pennsylvania. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for listening and all that jazz. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing much better than yesterday. Let me tell you a little story. Gather around, children. What? What the? Anyway, um, so on Sunday, I had, we had a very rare, we had rare plans where we had to be somewhere. I don't want to say had to be we wanted to be the younger boy was being inducted into a national uh, honor society, and they were having a, you know, a, you know, they're having an induction ceremony at the at at a college at the college he attends. <sighs> this isn't starting out very well, and um, and then we're gonna afterwards we're gonna have lunch with some folk. So we had plans, you know. I mean, we wanted to be there to honor him, of course. And, um, and then we had plans with, with some other folks that were also in attendance. And so I had I had real plans. All right, so on Sunday, they had a, we have a at work, we have a quarterly inventory, which, in case you're unaware, you might want to write this down. You have a piece of, you have like a notepad or something. It happened, the quarterly inventory happens like every three months or so. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's time for it. So it was this past Sunday, early in the morning. And um, I wasn't, I told my boss, or I asked my boss, I said, Do you need me there? Because, you know, I got all these plans. I got to work Saturday night. She goes, No, no, no. You weren't there last time. I ran fine. You know, you don't, you don't, you can take it, you can skip this one. And I said, "All right, sounds good. You know, it is under my purview; it is my responsibility. But we have some, we have some accomplished people, and you know, running the show. My presence is not necessary. At least that's what I tell. You know, that's what I'm telling them. But it, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, my presence is not necessary. So, um, so my plan was to not work. You know." And I, and I could get some sleep and go to the go to the ceremony and go out to go out to a late lunch, and uh, have a nice day. Right, that was the plan. Well, wow. you know how plans are. That thing went out the window. A couple people backed out. Somebody got sick. They're like, "Could you work, Jeff? Do you think you could come in after all?" I'm like, "What the?" I said, "I got," I said, "I got real plans," which is rare for me. And they're like, yeah, I know, but uh, maybe, maybe you know, work until, you know, come in real early and, and work till like 10, 1030. I said, what? Ugh. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't matter, you know, they say it's just a few hours. They say, just, just come in, work a few hours, help them out. I'm like, it doesn't matter how long it is. The key to the whole thing is what time I have to get up. You know, that destroys everything. If I have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning, that's going to destroy me, you know? And they're like, yeah, but... Um, I mean, I didn't say all that. And I'm like, I guess. But I said, it's going to cause problems. I know, but, you know, we need to make sure this... I'm like, oh, God. So that's what I had to do. I had to get up. I set my alarm for 5 a.m., which is like an ungodly... I mean, it's like a dead zone. You know, I don't... And it destroys the night before because you can't, I'm like stressing about it. I'm like, oh, God, I got to get up. I got to go to bed early. I can't go to bed early. My whole clock is like 180 degrees out of phase on this thing. You know, I can't. So I try to go to bed. I can't go to sleep. I'm, I'm thrashing. <laughs> God. <laughs> What is going on with me? I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. thrashing, <laughs> thrashing around in the in the bed. I'm rolling around. It sucks. And then you know, and then I'm I finally fall asleep. But then and but I keep thinking I'm going to oversleep. I'm going to oversleep. So I wake up all the time. Look at the clock. Thing says two thirty two. You know, I'm like, oh god, this is this is a living hell. You know. So I get up and go, I go down there and I help them out. You know, I do what I can to help them out because that's my job. And I mean, I guess I'm working seven days a week. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sound resentful. I mean, I don't want people to know. That, uh, I mean, what? Anyway, um, I I went down there. I helped them out. And I left, you know, 945, something like that. And um, and then I, I was a freaking zombie the whole time. I was sitting in that auditorium. It was a little, little warm, you know, a little too warm. It was a it was a well run uh, presentation, I have to say. you know they started at exactly one o'clock and they ended at exactly two, I mean almost down to the minute. They had that shit that I mean they could have run they, they, these people whoever ran that thing should be running like the Oscars. That thing was unbelievable. So anyway, so then we went out to we went out to lunch. It was fun, you know, we had a good time. It was a blast. But I was not operating on, I was operating on uh, diminished returns, you know what I'm saying? And when I got home, I was like a freaking, you know, I was just, I was nodding out like uh, Sid Vicious, you know, just sitting there watching the end of the Reds game. I'm just like, my head's just like whipping around, you know, it's like nodding and whipping and uh, miserable, just freaking miserable. You know, why, why can't I have a real day off? Actually, I was off today, so kind of, you know kinda of ruins my argument, but you know what I mean. It's just like unbelievable. So that happened. And um today I'm doing much better. I went to better early for me. Probably not early for some of you, but early for me. And then um I slept ten, eleven hours, something like that. I think it was like ten hours. I think it was like one to eleven. So I feel feel like a human being. In fact I'm gonna have a beer. Like, okay, ready for this? This is called uh, what's it called? Uh, Fatheads Headhunter IPA. I don't know if I've ever had. I feel like I do. I feel like I had it as a as a, as a um, draft beer one time, maybe at a backyard L house. Let me take take a hit off this bitch. Mmm, that's good, man. That's hoppy. I like that. Hell yeah! It's evening as I record this. I'm not drinking in the morning. Um, I just got finished with dinner. I cooked dinner. I cooked dinner as a, a nice house husband. You know, I was off today. And Tony got home from work. I had dinner on the table. You know, I mean, you know, I, had, I cooked uh, chicken on the grill. I made uh, macaroni and cheese. That Cracker Barrel macaroni and cheese from the box. That shit's high end. And Brussels roasted Brussels sprouts. Ah, delicious. I have to say. So anyway, um, but anyway, so so that happened yesterday. I feel much better today. Um, also, before we get started on this thing, my, my beloved Cincinnati Reds are having an almost biblical, just a catastrophic start to the season. Like literally one of the worst starts of any baseball team in the history of baseball. That's not, that, yeah, I'm not kidding. I mean, that's not hyperbole. One of the worst starts in all of baseball history. <sighs> like, what in the hell? They got rid of all their stars. They got rid of all their personality. They just, like, dumped all these people who are good or didn't tender them a contract, just let them walk away, you know? And then, and then they're like, oh, get get off your high horse. This team's a solid team. They're going to do really well. You know, who, who, quit your bitching is basically what they were saying. You know, the front office, because everybody's complaining. And look what's happened. They're terrible. I mean, just terrible. I read something where some guys, like, so fired up. They have this truck in the, in the stadium in Cincinnati. It's this expensive pickup truck. One of those fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollar deals. It's up on this pole, you know, out in the outfield. And before each home game, they, they draw somebody's name and they say, if if a if a Cincinnati Reds uh, batter hits this hits this truck with a with a with a ball, a home run ball, then that person gets a free truck. And they've been doing this shit for years. I think one person has got actually got a truck. But it's famous. It's this big truck up on the, They told us during the tour of the stadium that there's no engine in that thing, no interior. It's literally just the shell of a truck. <laughs> it's way up on a pole. But anyway, this guy says he's going to climb up there in protest of the way the uh, the Reds are playing and the treatment by the Home Office and take a shit in the bed of that thing. And now they're taking it seriously and they're like going to add, add security or something. They think the guy's really going to try it. There's like newspaper articles about it. This guy's going to go up there and literally shit the bed, you know? You know, though, I mean, the team already has, so why not him, you know? So, anyway, that, you know, this is this is catastrophic. I mean, this is the worst. But, will I watch every game? Yes, I will. I'll watch every game that I have an opportunity to. If I'm not watching, I'll be listening to the radio broadcast because it's in my blood. There's nothing you can do. What am I going to do? Switch teams? Ha, oh, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's rich. No. I mean, you got to stick with them, they suck. The way they—I mean—the the way they mess this team up—is uh, somebody should go to prison. You know, somebody should literally go to jail, and that is the owners. I think they both—that and his slick back hair son. All right, the owner is Bob Castellini. He's some kind of like uh, produce czar. You know, guru, guru. He's, he, he owns a produce company. And he's a billionaire, and he owns the Reds. or he, he owns the biggest share of the Reds. Let's put it that way. And his son Phil Castellini is the you know president of baseball operations or some shit like that. He's like he looks like some kind of used car salesman. Slick back hair, gold you know, pinky ring you know, gold chains and shit. He's and he he's talking all kinds of shit. You know, he, I mean they don't do anything to help themselves. You know. He's like basically blasting the fans for being so negative. Get out here and support this team. What are you going to do? You don't have any other team to support. What are what, what do you want to st- you know what are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do. I mean most people are going to do. They're just not going to go to the ballpark, you know, and they're not going to watch them on TV and they're going to do something else. It's not like there's a not a thousand other options for entertainment. I mean, what kind of arrogant asshole attitude is that? You know, what are you going to do? I mean, what I mean, that's literally what he said. What are you going to do, you know? So anyway, it's not getting off to a very good start. I remember the glory days back when it was locked out and there's you know, in the winter when there was like, you know, when the players were locked out and there was like we didn't even know if there was going to be a season. And then they came, they finally came to an agreement. I'm like, "Yes, hell yes." Since then, downhill, straight downhill. Uh, anyway, so today I thought I'd tell you about something that happened earlier today, and then in a related item from earlier. Um, this is these are like uh, these two stories I'm going to tell you are kind of like obscure tragedies. <sighs> I don't want to like bum anybody out, but these are like tragedies that blew my mind when I found out about. it. I knew nothing about them until this first one I'm going to tell you about until today. I didn't know anything about this. And then the other one is similar but um i found out about it earlier but um i'll tell you all about this okay i was today i was listening to an album that i've for some reason i'm hooked on it it's this band called Badfinger. finger Are you familiar with them they're a 70s band okay i was reading about them today because there's they have this album called straight up and i've been listening to that shit over and over again on a Spotify. I mean, I'm familiar with Bad Fingers. I mean, I have their best of. I have a like a greatest hits CD. And it's good. I never really got into the like the individual albums, but I'm familiar with them. I and mean, they always get lumped in with uh like they they get called power pop, which I don't know about, I don't know about that cuz the way I think of power pop is fast, loud, giant hooks. Like real catchy songs with loud guitars. Played fast, you know, like the Undertones, the Buzzcocks, that kind of stuff. But this is—I mean—they write pop songs. They—they they wrote pop songs and stuff, but they were—they weren't fast. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, they get called power pop. And um, anyway, this album called Straight Up, which was produced by George Harrison, came out in 1971, I think. That thing is solid, man. That thing's good. Every time I listen to it, I think it gets better and better and better. Great album. And so I was reading about the um, I was reading about Badfinger, and I was and I learned some things about them. They started out in the '60s, early '60s. And they were called the Panthers, and then at some point they they changed their name to the Ivies. And then they recorded a studio album, and because of some kind of political wrangling, I don't know, the thing was never released except in like Japan, I think. I don't think it ever came out in the United States, and then. Or or England, I don't think. I don't think it ever. I think it was literally in Japan. They planned to release it, but there's you know, I don't know legal legal stuff. So then somehow they got signed to Apple Apple Records, which is which was the Beatles label, right? So the, the Beatles set up this uh, it's called Apple Corps or Apple Corporation, Apple Corps, and they. Uh, financing films and they had a record label and I think they had books you know they were trying to be involved in everything. So the first the first band that they signed to their record label was uh, Badfinger but they were called the Ivies at the time so they were going for some reason they decided they needed to change their name or they told they were told they had to change their name. They were bit, uh, originally going to call themselves Glass onion. Which is a Beatles song, which I'm glad they didn't do that. I don't know. It's it sound for one thing. It sounds psychedelic, and they weren't psychedelic. But um, I don't know. Glass Onion. They're on the Beatles label. Eh. And then, um, but John Lennon suggested. John Lennon threw his threw his suggestion in there. He wanted them to be called the Pricks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Um, so the Pricks. They they decided not to go with that. You know, And then they ended up going with Bad Finger. There was a song well, I guess there was a song that the Beatles wrote that the original title was Bad Finger Boogie. I can't remember which song it was, but eventually the song, the, the lyrics got changed and it became something else. But So an early an early version of the song was called Bad Finger Boogie. It was two words. They combined the two words together. Bad Finger. Right? So then so they recorded an album, It had that song on there called Without You. There was a, I think Harry Nilsson covered it. Had international hit. It was a huge hit for him, but it was written by the two main songwriters, I believe Pete Ham is his name and Tom Evans, I think those were the two main songwriters. And they recorded some records and they, I think their fourth album was that straight up album which I've been listening to. It has a it has a song on there called um Baby Blue, I think. Is that it? Baby Blue? Doesn't sound right. I think that's it. Baby Blue. It was the the last scene of uh, in the final episode of Breaking Bad. It was playing. My Baby Blue, you know. So anyway, it's a great record. Fantastic. So I was reading about this band. I was reading the, the Wikipedia. And um, I found out some stuff, right? So um, another thing before we get into that. Uh, their first hit was written by Paul McCartney. He gave the song to them. It was called Come and Get It, and it was about Apple. He was bit, he was complaining about the way Apple, this, this company they set up, was just handing out cash all willy-nilly. He said he, it felt like somebody everybody knocked on the door, they gave them money to do their questionable projects. So he was complaining about that. So th- that song was a big hit. It was... Had the uh, it said um, if you want it here it is come and get it, but you better hurry because it's going fast. You know that that was the whole chorus of it. So that was their first hit, written by Paul McCartney, right? Okay, and then at some point, I think after that uh, straight up album, the George Harrison, the one I've been listening to, they got some kind of new uh, management. They got some kind of new manager, and he convinced them he think he thought he could get them a better deal he he thought he could get them a better deal so he went and shopped them around he signed some he got him signed to warner brothers for some multimillion dollar contract and um at that point apple was pissed you know cuz they went behind their back and so they still owed him one album and there was all this animosity and the album that they gave them to complete their contract you know, what the, you know what the title of that record is ass <laughs> that's all there is that's the whole thing that's the whole title it's called bad finger ass <laughs> so so that thing you know and, it, and it, it, so i've never heard it but i've I but i've read that it ha, it sounds nothing like their previous stuff so then they get out of the contract they go to warner brothers they get a bunch of money as an advance they so they have this money That's in this escrow account to record their albums and stuff, and they got this big contract with Warner Brothers, and it feels like the sky's the limit, you know. And then the this new manager takes off with all the money, disappears, nobody knows where he is. Now they're they're you know Warner Brothers is like, what the hell's going on here? You know, they did do an album, but um, you know, there's all this turmoil. The money's gone. Their manager's gone. They don't have anything. Warner Brothers is getting pissed. They're like, what in the hell is going on? What kind of a Mickey Mouse situation is? It's like fraud, you know? So, um, so they end up dropping the band. There's like, you know, they have contractual ob- obligations that they never fulfilled. They have no money. I mean, they can't even have, they only have enough money to live, you know? Everything's just went from bad to worse, you know, and the and that Pete Ham, the leader of that band, walks out to his garage, hangs himself. Twenty seven years old, wrote a bunch of great songs. I mean, the guy was super talented, unbelievable, you know. And he's he's so despondent over the way this shit happened to him and his band. He goes out there and hangs himself. He leaves a note specifically blames the suicide on that manager that took off with their money, names him in the in the note, and says he wishes he could take him with him. He has, like, a kid. He has another kid on the way. He's married. And he hangs himself, you know? I mean, what the hell? I was like, what the hell? I was reading this stuff. Like, I had no idea about any of this stuff. So then the band tries to continue without him that Tom Evans, who was the other main songwriter, you know, continues on, and one of the other guys steps up, and they kind of, like, form a partnership, and they start writing songs. But it doesn't go very well, and there's a bunch of, you know, they start arguing. So then that, that they splinter, those two guys splinter, and form two bands, both called Badfinger. <laughs> both of them, I mean, I don't know how this is possible, but there's two bands out there touring around and recording under the name Badfinger at the same time. So there's like all this arguing back and forth. There's like lawyers involved and everything. And uh, that Tom Evans hangs himself. (sighs) It's like the two main guys from the beginning, both because of the way the business, the music business, both of them end up hanging themselves. I'm like, what in the living? I mean, I can't believe this. I mean, I listen to that record. I've been listening to that record off and on, and recently I've been listening to it a lot. And i and I listened to that Greatest Hits album a ton of times. I had no idea. I mean, that's is a little before my time. But when you start reading about that, sometimes there's like, like, some of these stories are like insane, you know? I mean, that is wild. That is, I mean, God. So anyway, I found that out today. <sighs> blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? You know, I was like going crazy. And it reminds me of another story that I learned about a few years ago. You ready for more tragedy? (laughs) Okay. This happened back in the, uh, in the thirties in 1940. So I was reading something. This is several years ago. It said, I was reading about the Cincinnati Reds and their the, the 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 uniform numbers that have been ex, uh, retired you know through the years like number one there was a they had a manager um, who had cancer he died so they retired number one um, his name was Bill Bill McKechnie I think and then you know Johnny Bench number five and then number eight Joe Morgan you know the whole there's a whole bunch of them so these are the numbers these uniform numbers for Cincinnati. And it said in the article, it said the number five, which was Johnny Bench's number was retired two times. Like how in the hell is that? How's that possible? So I start digging into it again. This is the kind of stuff where my kids would be like, why do you care? You know, who cares? This is, there's some fascinating shit out there if you dig for it. It's like it'll blow my. Mind. I'm like, what the hell? You know. So it starts out. That's how it starts out. It says just it says that number five for the Cincinnati Reds was retired two times. Like how does that? How does that even possible? How how's that possible? So I read into it. All right, there was this guy. His name was Willard Hirschberger, Right. Yeah, Willard Hershberger. This is in a back in the 30s, right? Late 30s. He was the backup catcher to Ernie Lombardi, who was the Reds all-star catcher at the time and um and future Hall of Famer, right? Ernie Lombardi. So Lombardi was the main man, Hershberger was his backup. It was a perfect combination. I mean, he he did both of them did a great job. Um, through the thirty eighth season, uh, Hirschberger did great. He had a high batting average. He did well behind the plate. 39, same story. 40, 1940. Uh, it starts out the same way, right? And the Reds are in the midst, unlike this year, in the midst of a pennant race, you know? And back in those days, they had the National League and the American League. That's all. There was like no, you know, there was no, uh, you know National League East National League West it was just the National League and the American League and whoever won whoever had the best record in each league played each other in the World Series there was no playoffs you know so you had to win the entire thing so the Reds were in the hunt and um, you know this combination of Lombardi and Hirschberger working out perfect and then Lombardi gets hurt he goes down for an extended period of time. So now, Hirschberger. Willard Hirschberger. number five. <laughs> he's the number one catcher. He's the catcher. Um, so there's no Lombardi anymore. He's out of the picture for a while. So he go- he goes in there. He starts catching, and the Reds start losing, right? They start losing games. He can't hit where the damn. suddenly. He's getting all up in his head. He's like, oh my God, you know, you know, I'm gonna blow this. You know, we're in the hunt for this thing. We're we're gonna win the World Series, maybe. Or we're gonna go to the World Series. You know, so now it's all on me. You know, so he starts getting all up in his head about it, and he he can't he he get he goes over four over five every game, and they they start losing games. He blames himself. He says it's he thinks it's all his fault. You know, it's all my fault, right? And um, he tells his manager, you know you know my dad committed suicide <laughs> like what the his dad committed suicide when he got demoted at his job like back when this kid when willard was a kid and he goes i i'm, I'm going to end up doing the same thing this is just this is driving me crazy he goes no 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 this is a team sport you know it's not one player you know you you you're doing too, you're getting too much Putting too much thought into this thing, you can't take the the blame for all this. So, um, so this is in July, I think, in um, like late July, and uh, he uh, they 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 have some game like they're playing one of those teams that don't even exist anymore, like the Bees or some Boston Bees or some shit like that. <laughs> I don't know, but they, it's a twelve inning game. Pressures on, they lose, and he goes zero for five or some kind of crap like that. Hirschberger does, and he's despondent. He's like, "I'm ruining this team." If if Ernie was in there catching, we'd we'd be still be winning. This is all my fault, you know. And um, and the and the, the manager, you know, he goes talks to him again, gets him calmed down, walks him off the ledge or whatever. And he's like, he believes he everything's fine when he leaves, everything's fine. So so then old Willard Hirschberger. he goes back, he goes back to his hotel room, gets in the bathtub, slits his own throat, commits suicide because of the pressure of this, uh, that he put on himself, you know, of, of, of not being the, you know, being the number one catcher instead of number two. He kills himself. He's the only player in Major League history that's killed himself during a regular season, you know, while he's playing. You know, so so the Reds are like, oh, my God, you know, they end up they say they're going to retire his number, you know, and they they did. They retired number five for for old Hershey or whatever they called him hurt. I think that's what they called him. Hershey. And um, he uh, and then um, they end up, ironically, they end up winning the World Series. They go all the way. They win the National League pennant. And they win the World 1940 World Series, and he was like beating himself up all through the years, and he, he blamed himself for everything, and he killed himself. And they ended up winning the World Series. The players chipped in and gave his mother something like thirty eight hundred dollars from the World Series winnings, which back then in 1940 thirty eight hundred dollars was a lot of money. But um, you know, I, I can empathize with this guy, old Willard Hirschberger. I think. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like that. I'm not to the point where I'd want to slit my own throat. I mean, that's a little excessive. I mean, you know, taking things a little too far there, old Hershey. But, um, I, you know, I would blame myself. I, I can I empathize with this guy, you know. And I get all up in my head, and I get paranoid. I, I mean, I, I feel for that guy. When I found that out, when I read that, I don't know. But the thing about that is they, they retired his number. Number five. And then at some point, they uh, they reinstated it. I mean, kind of crap sad. I never heard of that before. I don't know. It's like a temporary retirement. I don't know. I don't understand how that works. But anyway, it was retired once, reinstated, and then Johnny Bench eventually wore it. You know? And then retired forever. Bizarre. Also a catcher, by the way, Johnny Bench. Actually, damn it, Let's drop some. Actually, they gave that he gave, they gave his mother fifty-eight hundred dollars. have it written down here fifty-eight hundred dollars. I'll get to see what that is. Hang on a second. I'm gonna put this on on pause. One second. Okay, it's hundred nineteen thousand dollars. So of, of today's money, so not bad. But you know, that's a that's another tragic story. I'm a Cincinnati Reds, huge Cincinnati Reds fan. And I know a lot about their history. I never heard that story until I read that it a few years ago. I had never heard that story in my life, and that is, that shit is wild, you know. I mean, what the? And I feel sympathetic and empathetic to that guy because I I I would be along the same lines, or I or I, I can see myself being along those lines, thinking that way, you know. This is all my fault. This is all. It's all, I'm letting everybody down. I'm letting the team down. I'm letting the fans down. I'm letting my manager down. You know, everybody's, oh my God, this is terrible. Look at all this. Look at all the trouble I've caused. <laughs> you know, I could see that, but man, rough. So that's a couple of stories that, um, you know, just came up with that bad finger today. And it reminded me of the Willard Hirschberger story. So there you go. Hope you're not too bummed out. Um, there's a new, no new Jeffs article column up it's about sleep you know if you want to read it it's over at no jeffs.substack.com you know it's about um about how i can't sleep as well as i used to and um, you know uh, the history of that and some background it's pretty good i think you might want to check it out and if you if you do like it you might want to subscribe then it's free, by the way. You don't have to pay anything. Some people, a lot of them, in fact, charge money for those Substack columns or newsletters or whatever you want to call them. I don't charge Jack, so it's totally free. Sign up on the first day of every month, you'll get a new one delivered to your email, email inbox. So it's at no new jeffs.ubstack.com if you're interested. And let's see what else I have here. Oh, further evidence. Uh, that's that's a work in progress. FurtherEvidence.com. It's kind of a news aggregator, except the news is all wacky stuff, insane crap from the internet. So that, that has roots in uh, Further Evidence. The end is near. The old website. So you might want to check that out. FurtherEvidence.com. Check it out if you're if you're interested. I'm going to continue working on that and uh, messing around with that. So you're just getting the an early glimpse. All right. And if you want to call and be a part of a show, 570-290-8151 is the number. Again, 570-290-8151. Give me a call, 24 hours a day. Ask me a question, make a comment, what have you. And I'll almost certainly use it in a future episode. So do that if you're inclined. If you're so inclined, I guess I should say. And uh, the website, surfreportpod.com. Expanded show notes, links, pictures, etc., etc. Surferportpod.com. And we're at the end of this thing. I'm going to finish this... Uh, what is it called? Headhunter? Hang on a second. Let me take a hit off this. Man, that's hoppy stuff. Feels like it might be high alcohol. I hope not. I don't like those real high ones that are like above 8%. So that's, ex- that's excessive. I don't like that. 7.5. Yeah, that's a little high. Anyway... Hope you guys are doing well. I will see you soon over on the Patreon side. That's just a few days from now. If you're not subscribed, you might head on over. Patreon.com slash JeffK. <laughs> all right. I don't want to launch into another one. But um, if, you, if you want to hear the Patreon episodes, $4 a month. That's all. Patreon.com slash JeffK. All right. We're at the end. Thank you guys for everything. I'll see you soon over on the Patreon side. Until then, you guys have yourselves a fine, fine day. I'll see ya. Bye. Delicious.